prayer. We've all heard of it, but do we really know what it is? Is it just talking to God? Is there a right and wrong way to pray? Are all prayers the same? We'll touch on these questions and more in this series entitled Prayer. Let's jump in. I welcome all of our viewers on Periscope. It's so wonderful to have you with us all the time. And we're going to continue this evening our study entitled Prayer Series. And last week, if you were here, I'm not going to do a lot of review because I really want to try to get through as much of this material as I can. But last week, we laid a foundation for the series. And we let you know that there are definitely six different types of prayer. Does everybody remember that? Okay, good. All right, so the first type of prayer we said was the prayer of agreement. The second type was the prayer of faith, also known as petition prayer. You know, they kind of share the same name. So it's a different name, but the same meaning. The third type of prayer is a prayer of consecration and dedication. The fourth type of prayer is that of praise and worship. Number five is a prayer of intercession, which is acting in prayer on behalf of someone else, which is extra special. And then the last, or number six, is the prayer of binding and loosing. Now, the last time we were together, we also discussed, and I tried to be very clear, that it is true that we should run boldly into the throne of grace. And we covered scripture regarding that last time. Um, and we did also say that it was important to realize that we need to pray the right way because you can, without realizing it, pray incorrectly. And that's a subject matter that we don't talk about that much. As a matter of fact, many times Christians believe, I like to say, they mistake fellowshipping with God and prayer because you can fellowship with the Lord all day long. I mean, literally, and he wants that. He, he really wants us to. So you can fellowship with him. You could be in the kitchen cooking and you know talking to, to him about what you're planning on preparing. That's fine. But a lot of Christians believe if they do that and then slap Jesus' name on the end of it, that that's a prayer, and it's not. A lot of other people think that their positive confessions that they make every day is a form of prayer. That, too, is not. It's a confession. Prayer is a tool, and we have to learn how to use it properly so that we get the necessary answers and results that we want, which is why we're here. Okay. So anyway, um, that's exactly why we're here. So we're not going to have any kind of lack of understanding when it comes to that. We also talked about how, and we've heard this, I'm sure you have, if you ever went to any kind of church, where people try to imitate folks and develop what they call a prayer style, you know, and then they just kind of put in little sound bites that they've heard other people say, and because other people they think are effective, they just go ahead with it. You know, things like you woke me up this morning and started me on my way. Now, there's nothing wrong with the fact that he did wake us up 
But to just sit up there and say that, you know, I've heard people say that, you know, well, anyway. They'll say it, forget they say it, and then say it again, not even realizing that they said it the first time. Um, then you hear things hold on to God's unchanging hand. And then one of my favorites is, pass me not, oh, gentle Savior. He's in you, so why would he pass you by? But they don't know it. They just say these things because they sound good. Another thing is, you'll hear some people, and it's sort of a style, where they'll say, Father God, every other sentence, because they feel like if they keep saying that, that that's going to mean something even more. He heard you when he said it the first time. So, I mean, if you just say it, it's okay, but know that you don't need to. You don't need to keep adding that into the prayer, thinking it's going to do something more for it. The other thing, and this is kind of serious, and we're going to go into this a little later on, you will hear people say, if it be thy will, and they'll add that to their prayer. Now, that should only be reserved for the prayer of consecration and dedication, and we're going to go into that. But just know, if, if you're still praying before we get to that section, don't say that unless you are, in fact, saying a prayer of consecration and dedication. Now, a lot of these things sound religious to people. You know, they sound good. Um, unfortunately, a lot of those prayers may not necessarily be answered. Most likely, they won't be, and I'll tell you why. The first is because they're not standing on any kind of promise. They're just saying what they've heard somebody else say. That's not standing on a promise. You're not believing what you're saying in that particular instance because you're really just copying something that you've heard. So you're just saying something to be saying it. Um, and if you've developed a prayer style, but you've not taken the time to learn what the word of God says, it's all fruitless. So. We don't want to do that either. The other thing that people do, and this is really true, and I'm sure you all know <laughs> and can attest to it, is a lot of people think that their emotion is going to dictate whether their prayer is going to be answered. And sometimes they believe that if they cry or if they earnestly beg God, that that's going to make a difference and that's going to speed up the answer to their prayer. Well, to me, that's sort of like playing lotto. You might as well get a little scratch-off card and see if that's going to work for you. That's not what we're supposed to do when we pray. Also, you cannot put faith into something or someone if you don't know that it personally exists. I'll give you an example. Um, if I were to say to you, Okay, we're on the sixth floor here, so it's not so bad. But let's imagine we're in a building and it's on the 20th floor, okay? And um, they tell us that we have to evacuate the building and all the elevators are shut down and the stairways are all closed. And they tell us that the only way we're going to be able to get out of this building is to go out of the window. Now, we all have sense enough to know that gravity does exist. And, you know, if we open up the window and it's on the 20th floor and we go down and sort of like splat, you know, that's not the answer we want, okay? So they may say, well, here, we're going to give you a backpack. Now, everybody pretty much knows what a backpack looks like. You see them all over the city. But they tell us that in this particular backpack, there's a parachute. Now, if you know about parachutes, which I don't, okay, but if you know about them, then maybe you feel comfortable with that. Because it's like, okay, this backpack has a parachute. And they tell you, you just pull this little cord, and then when you get out there, you pull the cord, and you're going to have a wonderful, safe landing, and all is fine. Now, if you don't know anything about parachutes like I don't, that's hard for you to put your faith into thinking that this little cord that looks like the same cord you've seen on every backpack is going to just work. You can't 
Have faith for that. I mean, you're really pushing it. You better put your faith in God that it's going to work, not in the parachute really working because you don't know anything about it. It's a foreign thing to you. Yet and still, that's what a lot of people do with prayer. They don't really know. They're going on hearsay, but because somebody else said it, they're having about as much faith in it as I kind of would have on the actual court. Trust me, I would be believing God because I don't know anything about parachutes. I've never seen one except for TV, and that's not the way in which we want to pray, where it's that vague, okay? So if you don't know what the Word of God says, you can't wholeheartedly add your faith to it and believe what you're praying for. You really are just guessing. Now, the other thing is, and we read this a little bit earlier, that God cannot lie. Everybody would agree with that, right? Okay, so turn with me to Jeremiah, the first chapter, and we're going to look at verse 12. Jeremiah 1, verse 12. Let me know when you're there. Just say you've got it. Okay, that's two people. <laughs> Okay, good. So if we look at it in the New King James Version, it says, Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. The easy-to-read version says, The Lord said to me, You have seen very well, and I am watching to make sure that my message to you comes true. Now again, this is why, for all of you, if you're new to me, the reason I read all of these translations is because every translation I read to you is going to give you something a little bit more than the one before. Like this easy-to-read version, just let us know that he's watching, okay, to make sure that my message comes true. Whereas the first one didn't necessarily say that. It just says that, they're ready to, that he's ready to perform my word. If we look at the Amplified Version, it says, then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. Okay, so that's letting me know that he's really sitting there paying a whole lot of attention to it. Then the last one that I'm gonna read to you is in um, the Message Bible, and it says, a walk, okay, all right, I have to read it. Actually, the, the Message Bible, if you're familiar with it, you know how they clump verses together? So I'm going to be reading, actually, verse 11 and 12. And it says, God's message came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I said, a walking stick, that's all. And God said, good eyes, I am sticking with you. I'll make every word I give you come true. So this is already letting us know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that when we pray, God is watching over his word, actively watching over his word. Turn with me to Isaiah 55, and you guys already know this one, I'm sure. Isaiah 55, we're going to look at verses 10 and 11. And for the essence of time, oh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Okay. You can follow along in the New King James Version, because I'm sure that's the one. No, I'm not going to do that. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to read the New King James Version, and then I'm going to read the message. When you get the opportunity, and on uh, Periscope, I suggest you do this too. When you get the opportunity, look at the easy-to-read version and the amplified Amplified. Amplified, talk would be nice. Amplified version, because both of them are really good as well. But because I want to kind of move, we're not going to read those tonight, okay? So the New King James Version, you should be there by now, are you? Yes. 
Okay, great. The New King James Version says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Love it. Now I'm going to read it to you out of the message. Same verses um, out of Isaiah 55, starting with, okay, in the message, it's going to actually start at verse 8. And it says, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. God's decree. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. Just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth, doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seed for farmers and food for the hungry. So will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. Now, what these verses are clearly establishing is that God watches over his word to make sure and perform it. Now, this was something I learned back in 1985, being a baby Christian. The Holy Spirit let me know that it is God's word that does not return unto him void. It doesn't say anything about Iva's word. I can sit up and talk until I just feel like, I don't know, talk until I can't talk anymore doesn't do anything because it's his word that he's watching over. So we need to make sure that what? When we pray, we are definitely praying the word of God. And if we don't know it for ourselves and we're just trusting what somebody else says, okay, or believes, we run the risk of canceling out the prayer entirely because we're not really believing it. We're just going on what somebody else has told us. Now I'm going to give you a perfect example. When the apostle was recently here, okay, many of you were here when he was here, right? All right. So you know that one of the things that he did was he laid hands on the sick. Do people remember that? Okay. Now, he clearly explained that Jesus is the healer, not him. But he has hands, and he would get into agreement with the word and lay hands on the sick. Now, turn with me to Mark's gospel, the 16th chapter, verses 17 and 18. And this is another verse of scripture that I know many of you are very, very familiar with. Let me know when you're there. Okay. If we look at verse 17 in Mark's gospel, chapter 16, it says, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Amplified is great, but I'm not going to read it tonight. But I will read the message. And the message says, these are some of the signs that will accompany believers. They will throw out demons in my name. They will speak in new tongues. They will take snakes in their hands. They will drink poison and not be hurt. They will lay hands on the sick and make them well. Now, the apostle made it very clear. Unfortunately, this precious person went on the healing line. She had hands laid on her. And we all got into agreement that she received her healing. 
Now, here was the thing. <laughs> when we got out into the lobby afterwards, you know, we're all fellowshipping and, and everything. And this dear person is standing there talking. And, you know, I'm thinking that the person's excited because I'm believing that they've received their healing. And they're talking about it, you know, in future tense, about, yeah, they believe that they will be healed. Now, that's the first thing. I'm like, okay, uh, what do you mean you will be? We just got into agreement that you are. So R is present tense. Okay, and then the precious one goes on to tell me, and other people too, so it wasn't just me, then about this new medicine that the doctor is getting ready to put her on, and she's pretty positive that with the new medicine that's prescribed, that she's going to be doing just fine. It was so easy for her to trust what the doctor said and what the medicine was going to do, all the while dismissing what the word said. The word said that when you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. By the stripes that Jesus suffered on the cross, we are healed. All of that just went out the window with everything that she was saying. And bless her heart, I don't believe she really realized what it was that she was doing. But unfortunately, a lot of Christians do the very, very same thing. And if the medicine doesn't deliver the relief that is promised, what do they do? The individual starts blaming God, saying that faith healing doesn't work, and, you know, it's, it's all about the Lord messed up because the medicine didn't work. And in this particular case, I don't have to tell you, it's the words that were spoken that didn't line up with the word of God. And we have to make sure that when we pray, that we don't cancel out our prayers through the words that we speak that don't line up with the word. And this is going to bring us to the first type of prayer, which is number one, the prayer of agreement. Now, with all of these prayers, you're going to find that there are requirements or qualifiers, I would say. The first qualifier in a prayer of agreement is that the two people involved, if it's got to be a minimum of two, because you can't just agree by yourself, per se. So you need to be in agreement with someone else. But the two of you really need to agree. And you've got to be real clear on what you are agreeing about. Um, another little story. <laughs> I was truly, truly agreeing with this person for the manifestation of their complete restoration and healing. And I mean, I took this very seriously. Because if I say to you, I'm going to agree with you, because I don't agree with everybody on everything. Because for me, it requires a lot of my time. Because you see your time, just like in my opening prayer, I prayed for all of you who came because your life is time. And what I mean by that is the last five minutes, we can't get that back. Which means we just gave of our life for that last five minutes. So if I'm going to get into agreement with someone, I recognize that I'm giving up part of my life to be able to earnestly pray for them. So this particular individual, I was praying morning and praying night for the total restoration of their body and believing God that they were healed. Come to find out, we weren't on the same page at all. They were just believing for a phone call for a transplant. I'm believing for total restoration and healing. They're believing for an organ which is fine, but it's not for a prayer of agreement. It's not fine. It just meant that all of that time that I was praying, it was for no reason because we weren't on the same page. We were not in agreement. So a qualifier is if you are going to pray a prayer of agreement, 
you must really make sure that you really are agreeing line by line, precept by precept. You got to know that you're on the same page so that you don't make the same mistake that I made. Okay? Another thing that is important to understand is that God is not moved by your so-called style of prayer or your position when you pray. There are some people, and I'm sure you've heard this, they believe if they go into a building that's called a church, that their prayer is going to be heard. If they're out on the street, I guess it, does, it makes a difference. We are the church, so we know that doesn't make a difference, but bless their hearts, some people believe that it, that it does. Some people think that you must be kneeling down. If you're not kneeling, I don't know, I guess they think the Lord is not going to hear them. Some people believe they have to be prostrate on the floor. Um, you know, you can be, if it's chilly outside, you can just stay under the covers where it's nice and warm. <laughs> you know, God still hears you. Um, you know, he hears you if you're standing up. He hears you if your eyes are open, if your eyes are closed. I mean, you know, he doesn't have the challenge. So we need to kind of be clear on that. Um, another thing, and I've always found this interesting, especially with intercessory prayer, well, we're good about that now, but sometimes intercessors, different places you go, they will have a tendency to pray really loud. And I never understood that. Because I always ask the weird questions that other people don't ask. Because I kept saying, do they think God is deaf? I mean, why do they feel that they have to scream? Do they think that's going to make a difference? For a lot of people, it's a real turnoff because it can be very startling, especially if you don't understand what intercessory prayer is where you're praying in a prayer language. It can make people go, oh, I'm never going to go there because they don't even understand it. And then you're screaming. and t You don't need to do that, okay? You just need to talk in a normal voice, okay? The Lord will clearly hear you. It doesn't have any effect on your prayer. I promise you that. Now, the other thing is your sincerity doesn't even matter. What I mean by that is this. Some people feel that if they work themselves up, that goes back to the emotion I was talking about before, that if they work themselves up, that's going to make their words more sincere, and God is going to hear them. all these gimmicks, okay? First of all, if you're not praying correctly, you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. So that's not going to help you, okay? So you don't have to do all that. You really do not. He hears and acts upon your prayer only if it is in line with his word. So much too often we get caught up with tradition or things that we've seen others do, and, you know, we're going to get set free from all of that. Praise the Lord. Now, also... I want to be clear because I don't want people, when I said you can pray with your eyes open or pray with your eyes closed, I always want to be clear because I don't want people to be bound or get this mixed up. Whenever we give an altar call, you always hear the teacher say, every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to pray. Everybody remembers that, right? Mm -hmm. Now, we don't do that because we feel as if God is only going to hear us if your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. We do it for distinct reasons. The first reason is that we want the people in attendance, okay, to not become distracted and to pay full attention to the spiritual invitations being presented to them. And if their eyes are closed and their heads are bowed, they're usually paying more attention. So that's the first reason. And the second reason we do it is for privacy of the individuals responding. You know. All of us who are believers, we answered either an altar call 
or we prayed and asked the Lord to become, asked Jesus to become our Lord and personal Savior. But if you've ever had to answer an altar call, it can be downright almost traumatic because the enemy is going to constantly try to give you a thought, idea, or suggestion as to why you should not answer that call. So if you have a whole bunch of people staring at you, that's not going to make it easier. So this is why we want them to have privacy and allow them the privilege to do it. That's also why the counselors here have always been instructed, even when they come out of the counseling room where they have ministered to people, they don't go around and go, oh, look, this is sister so-and-so. She just got saved. That's none of your business why she was in the counseling room. You know, if she wants to tell you that, that's fine. But we don't go broadcasting. It's, it's very personal. It's almost like if you go to a doctor or an attorney. There's supposed to be privilege there where you don't go around telling everybody. Every, you, you just don't do it. It's just not correct. So anyway, that's why we do that. So please understand it. And then if you didn't know that, maybe you'll feel a little bit more comfortable when we ask you to do that. And we always ask you to pray in the spirit, because that's so important. You are helping people who truly are sitting at a time when they've got to make sometimes the biggest decision of their life. And you can help assist it, assist them in making that decision if you are praying in the spirit. So we really, really ask you to do that. Um, oh, this is another thing that I've heard a lot of Christians say, and I always find it very interesting, is that they don't really pray that much at all. They just don't really pray. And they don't see where it's necessary. Some of them are living presumptuously where they just assume that God will take care of everything in their lives and they don't really need to pray. Um, I've also heard some Christians say that they don't need to ask God for anything because he already knows what they need. They are basing this upon the following scripture. Turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, the sixth chapter, and we're going to look at verses six through eight. And Matthew 6, verses 6 through 8. Do you have it? Okay. And it says in the New King James Version, But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. And then I'm going to read those same verses out of the Message Bible, starting with verse 6, and it says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They are full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you were dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. Now, to take it a step further, some people are under the impression that God can do whatever he wants. After all, God still sits on the throne. 
Now the earth and the fullness thereof he created. So they feel as if he can just do whatever. How many of you would agree with that? Okay. Technically, God can do whatever he wants based upon the fact that he is all-powerful. He is God. However, he has designed this system, the world system, consisting of mankind, the planet, the universe, etc., to operate in a very specific way. God has built in certain laws to govern and control the system. Based upon that, God cannot do anything that violates the laws that he has already set in motion. If he did that, he would be violating himself and everything that he promised. And we definitely don't want him to do that, okay? So uh, just jot down Hebrews, the sixth chapter and the 18th verse because we already read that, like probably in the first session, letting us know that it's impossible for God to lie. So we know that. So now if I take this box of tissues, it's nice and light. <laughs> so if I take this, okay, and I drop it, what do you think is gonna happen? It's gonna fall, right? There you go, we proved it, it falls. It didn't all of a sudden start floating around in the air or anything like that. It didn't go upward, it fell. Because the law of gravity still is in place. What goes up is going to come down, okay? It's the same thing, believe it or not, for the law of sowing and reaping. And our farmers truly depend on this. It's also good for us because it's seed time and harvest. So we know that if we plant seed, we are going to get a harvest for what it is that we planted. So that's real important and that's why we get so excited. That's why CCC New York gets thrilled when it's offering time. Because yes, we're worshiping the Lord, but we are counting on the fact that he watches over his word. And when in fact we plant that seed, we are going to obtain a harvest, right? Okay. So this is why we have to understand and be very, very careful. <laughs> what you may be asking, it has to be done in a prayer that lines up and it has to be done in line with his word. That's always going to be the same thing. So this may be a bombshell for some, or a big surprise maybe for others, or maybe all of you already know this. And that's what this is, I'm going to tell you now. God has to be given permission to work on our behalf in the earth realm. We are the ones who give him the permission to do so through prayer. Turn with me to Genesis, the first chapter, and we're going to look at verses 26 and 27. Now, you already know this, but you might not have thought of it just this way. So looking at Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27, uh, always so concerned about time. I'm going to read it out of the New King James, because I know everybody pretty much has that. So starting with verse 26, you're there, right? Okay. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now I'm going to read it in the Amplified. It says, then God said, let us, again, 
This is why we read different translations. Us consists of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Make man in our image. Now see, we know that. A lot of us who are seasoned believers, we already know when he said us, he was talking about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But you know what? When you are first starting out, you don't know that. You just, us could be who? Us is who is us, okay? I'm serious. And sometimes we can get so astute and so above it all that we forget those little things. I don't ever want to get that way because you don't know who you are sharing with at any given point in time. And you have to understand that they need to have the knowledge of what the word says. And you need to be able to share it with them because you are an ambassador for Christ. And if you are not doing that, technically you're not doing what you're called to do. But anyway, so going back to this, then God said, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image according to our likeness, not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness. And let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over the entire earth, and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, of course, I like the fact that all of the scriptures say male and female. So therefore, there can be no confusion when it says that he made man, that it is male and female. Okay, good. And he didn't make it sound like, you know, one was better than the other. They're equal. Very good. Okay. <laughs> um, now, in verse 26, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but verse 26 of the New Living Translation, I like the fact that it says, um, of course, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. I like anything that reminds us that we are royalty in a kingdom that is not of this world. So of course I like that, because yes, we reign. I love that. So anyway, that's the New Living Translation. You can look at that when you get the opportunity. I am going to read to you this last one, which is the Message Bible. <clears throat> Starting with verse 26, it says, God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature so that they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself. Okay, that's something to think about too. So for a lot of people who don't believe in all the climate changes and don't believe in a lot of things, we have been made responsible for the earth itself. And every animal that moves on the face of the earth, God created human beings, he created them godlike. Reflecting God's nature, he created them male and female. Here's the thing that's very important. If I were to, I've got to illustrate this some kind of way. Um, okay. This is an iPhone. We all know that. <laughs> it's a phone, whatever. It could be anybody's phone. If I were to say, this is my phone. Okay, we all know that this is my phone. And I decide that I'm going to take this phone and I'm going to give it to Miss Shirley. Okay, you should stand up. Okay, just take it, just take it. You don't stand up. Here, just sit. Okay, I've now given this phone to somebody called Miss Shirley. Okay, now when I gave it to you, if I want to make a phone call, I technically have to ask her because it's no longer my phone. I gave it to her, correct? So I don't even have use of it anymore. It's gone, all things being equal. 
I have to ask her, and then she has to decide whether or not she is going to let me use it. I have to get permission. Everybody got that, right? So in Genesis 1.26, where it states that God gave man dominion to reign. <laughs> dominion means control, rule, reign, authority, possession, just like when I held on to that phone. If man has been given control, who no longer has it? God. Okay. Notice God did not say, let us share dominion with man. He specifically said, let them, man, have dominion. So where is the dominion? Man has it and uses it over everything that is in the earth. So with that being said, God cannot come and pay my bills, so to speak, unless I let him by giving him permission through prayer. So if you don't like your life right now and you don't like the position that you're in, I submit to you, you need to change your prayer life because that's the only way that God can get involved. So I'm going to push the pause button right there because this is something that I want to share with you that isn't even in this, but the Lord is so special. He just gives me different things. So we're going to go with what he gave me. Now, how many of you, I'm sure you are because you live in this country, and I'm sure you're not, like, completely out of it, you realize we had an election. So we do have a new president-elect Trump. Now, whether you are excited about that or not, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's clear that people, many of them have mixed emotions, but I'm not even here to discuss that. But I am here to discuss something that's really important. We talked about it a little bit back in August when we had intercessory prayer, and we talked about how we needed to pray for our nation. Now, again, being very authentic, okay, what we a lot of times have the tendency to do is when it comes to praying for our leaders and praying for our president, and I'm just being real. Okay, we don't really do that. We kind of leave that up to the intercessors. And for those of us who are here, we know that's part of their agenda. They'll cover it. And that's kind of what we do. We are not every day. There is no way you're going to tell me that every day we are sitting praying for the president and praying for the leaders of this country. Now, if you are, I salute you. I have not. Okay? So I will be authentic. I have not. However... I realize now that I must, okay, because we talk about, when I was telling you about the parachute, you know, like it's hard for us to have faith for something that we don't know anything about, you know, when I was talking about jumping off the 20th floor and hoping that we're going to pull this cord and the parachute's going to open, well, we are in a situation where we have a president-elect who is unlike any that has ever been before. He knows nothing about politics. He is not an attorney. He is not a judge. He is a what do you call those people? A reality show personality. Okay? So, now I'm not saying that he won't be a wonderful president because we, as believers, have a responsibility. And turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, the fifth chapter. You need to see this. 
We are going to look at verses 13 through 16. Let me know when you are there. Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. We're going to look at it in the Amplified first. And let me know when you have it because we need to see this. Okay, I'm reading it to you out of the Amplified. Starting with verse 13, it says, You, meaning us, are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, purpose, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and walked on by people when the sidewalks are wet and slippery. You are the light of Christ to the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and gives it light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, the Message Bible breaks it down even more, so no, I'm going to read it. Starting with verse 13, it says, Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be the light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Now turn with me. That should be enough. But turn with me to James 5. And we're going to look at verse 16. For those of you who may be saying, yeah, okay, good. We're going to pray. All right. We're going to do that. This is why we're going to do it. James 5, verse 16. Many of you know part of this verse, but you might not know the first part of the verse, so that's why we're going to read it. James 5, 16 in the New King James Version. Let me know when you're there. Okay. And it says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The easy to read breaks it down even more, for it says, so always tell each other the wrong things you have done. Then pray for each other. Do this so that God can heal you. Anyone who lives the way God wants can pray, and great things will happen. And the best is the Amplified Classic Edition, which says, confess, confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart 
Notice what that says. Healed and restored. But how are we healed and restored? To a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So I submit to each and every one of you here, we have got a job to do. We have got to pray. God is depending on us to do it. We are the salt of the earth. We are the ones that are going to make a difference. And the other thing is, you know, all of us, I don't care who you are, I don't care how astute you may think you are, you have missed it somewhere. There is some part of you that is just not perfect or you wouldn't have needed salvation to begin with, okay? So when we look at President-elect Trump, yeah, we can see a whole bunch of stuff we may not think is great and a whole bunch of stuff we may not like. Well, then we need to pray that he humbles himself before God. We know that God has changed the heart of kings. He can change the heart of that man. And we need to try to see him the way that God sees people. Look at his heart. Don't look at all that other stuff that he has said. Don't look at all that junk that we see associated with him. Forget all that. Because if people did that with us, can you imagine? Okay. Hmm. It wouldn't be quite what we think. So all I'm submitting to you is please take some time in your life to pray for our country, pray for our president-elect, and pray for the outstanding president that we have had the privilege to have this past eight, these past eight years. Okay, But that's something that we need to do. And I'm just really, really calling you to it because the Holy Spirit put it in my heart to share. And it's something that we really, really need to do. So, praise God. <laughs> so, that is something that we're going to do. And, well, I have 43 seconds left. <laughs> so, what can I do in the 43 seconds? In the 43 seconds, I'll tell you what's going to come up. How about that? The next time we're together, uh, maybe I can, maybe I can. Okay, yes. The next time that we are together, we're going to be able to move a little bit forward and I've already established that we have to give God permission, and we're going to talk about exactly how to do that and all the good that's going to come as a result of us doing that. So that's something to look forward to. So anyway, that's what we're going to do next week. So anyway, in the interim, I'm going to ask for every head to be bowed and every eye. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 9.45 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.